Welcome to the Your Path to Purpose podcast. Living a life that gets you jumping out of bed with excitement. I'm your host, Gaz Morgan, and I'm an emotional intelligence practitioner, an international sales and leadership coach, and a keynote speaker. The purpose of this podcast is to help individuals in both their business and their personal lives. And in this particular episode, I have the pleasure of interviewing Nina Brooks, who was born and bred in Leeds in Yorkshire. Nina was introduced to a strong work ethic from a very young age by her parents, who were, in her words, grafters. She had her first telesales job at the age of 13, can you believe? And she said that her drive comes from bad experiences that she's faced in her life. She shares so much about her business and her passions and both in her personal and her business life. And I really hope that you enjoy this episode and really listen and take note of the lessons that Nina has learned and that she shares with us in this episode. Welcome to the Your Path to Purpose podcast, Nina Brooks. Thank you for having me. Lovely to have you on the podcast today. It's quite interesting, actually, reading about you. And we have many things in common. A couple of things that we have in common is one that we've we've both had a career in sales. Um, And the other thing is we've both worked at Yale, although at different (laughs) at different times yes yes I was I was there you know certainly 20 odd years ago um so before you I I'd left I'd long gone before you had joined I think I think you joined around 2005 seven or something was it oh I've been there three times I'm like about penny I just keep going back (laughs) it was a great company it was a great you know I use I often say to people I worked at Yale when it was a great big book you know, yeah. and it was the market leader and it was it they they were great for me. And I met some great people there, um, some great leaders. I had some great managers and mentors, you know, people like Russ Bowson. Yeah. Who I remember oh, he was amazing. He, he helped me so much as a trainer. So Ross, Russ rather was a was a mentor for me in yeah. my training and look when I was moved into learning and development. Um, Angela Tickner. Yeah. Um, who she was an amazing manager, very firm, lovely, but really helped me to develop again as a as a yeah. trainer and a leader. Um, and Michelle Johnson. Um, oh, I Johnson. still love Michelle to the day. Yeah. So <laughs> Mish um, managed me as a, when I went into a telesales manager role up yeah, in Southampton. Yeah. And and again, you know, we stayed connected as well. And she was you know, so inspiring as a leader. Yeah. Um, and really, so I, I was surrounded. And now, no, 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 if I've forgotten anybody, I do apologise. But they're the kind of three that straight away come to my mind. And, you know, there's many, many more. But, yeah. I think, you know, I think it's important that, you know, when you go on these journeys in your career, you do come across people that even if you haven't seen them for years, they still, you know, they've left 
they've left a really good mark on you. Um, you know, Maxine Chambers was another one yeah. um, who was a, an unbelievable uh, character as well. And so, so yeah, um, so we've got a couple you of... Remember, can I remember a guy called Mark Blackmore? Yes, Mark. Yes, yeah. I do. I do. Mark kind of um, ended up going back into Yale and doing some consultancy um, but I again, I'd left by that stage, and he now runs his own business as yeah, well. So I, I actually yeah. used Matt Blackmore's um training modules because the 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 yell the, the customer yeah. sales process, yes. Um, but he's just adapted it in a really easy way, so I actually use his content now when I'm training our new starters. Good, good, yeah. So it's very useful, yes. Yeah, so and Mark was there as well. Um, so anyway, about you. See, we reminisce. It's funny how you get reminiscing <laughs> about these things, wonder years, yesteryears. So tell us about you, because I mean, if you haven't noticed yet, anybody listening, you know, you're clearly not like me. You're not a Londoner, right? Yeah, <laughs> you're clearly not a Londoner. Um, so tell us about where you were born. Tell us about you know your upbringing, that sort of thing, um, Nina. Um, so I was born at home. At home? Um, yeah, at home, because I am clearly impatient and um, couldn't wait for my mother to get to the hospital. I do often say that she's selfish because I was born at home in Leeds and my mum was born in Kenya and her family's from the Seychelles, but no. Wow. Born and, yeah, born and bred in Leeds. Moved around a little bit as a, as a youngster, so my dad was a, a builder. My mum and dad both were grafters, is how I describe them. Both of them up early, working late and... We kind of moved around different cities. We probably did like two years here, two years there. Um, wherever my dad had a building site, we would then relocate and go wherever my dad was working. Um, and my mum owned shops, so she ran like off licences. So probably from a very young age, I think I was seven maybe, uh, when I first started working in my mum's shop. <laughs> wow. Wow. So we was we was like really brought up to have like strong work ethics. We worked for our pocket money. So I had, I had two sisters. Um, my mum would give me like a pound for every job I did, whether it was hoovering, polishing. So I was smart. I did three jobs a day. I was rich as a kid. <laughs> you was minted, eh? <laughs> I was rich. I had all the sweets. <laughs> <laughs> Bought your first home at 10 years of age. <laughs> yeah. I actually had my first telesales job. I think I was... Oh, I was young. I mean, looking back, I'm not sure it was legal. I think I was like 13 and 14 or around that age, like two hours a night after school, ringing from a directory, um, business to consumer. You know, the typical getting told to go away because, you know, they're having the tea type job. So, so yeah, it's my first like real sort of sales experience. Wow. And where was that? So that was, so you kind of Leeds, Bradford, yeah, kind of way. yeah, yeah, Le kind of around. So we used to move from like Leeds, Huddersfield, Robertown, um, and then back to Leeds. So we did quite a lot of movement between the age of maybe five and ten, and then from ten, yeah, pretty much Leeds as a kid growing up. And have you stayed in Leeds pretty much all your life since, or have you moved um, around? Yeah, I think um, majority until I was about twenty-seven, and then my my dad passed away. And then I, um, I'd actually bought my own house when I was in my early twenties. And then, when my dad was dying, I moved back home uh, with my mum and dad and my daughter. I had a daughter actually when I was seventeen. Um, so I, I rented my house. I moved back in with my mum and dad because I just didn't know when they were going to pass. I didn't want my mum to be there on, on her own. 
Um, and then some of them dad passed away and then and then I realised I'm a really good husband because uh, my mum's a really good wife. So she like cooks and cleaned <laughs> and I paid for everything and took her out for dates on a weekend. <laughs> so I stayed there for like 18 months, I think. Uh, and I thought, okay, I better move back out again. So I actually moved then to uh, Halifax, I think, at the time, because I was working in Manchester. Right. So doing the commute from Leeds to Manchester, there's a little bit of traffic, like a really bad congestion area in Leeds. Yeah. So it just made more sense to like move further that way. Sure. Uh, and then, yeah, cut out the traffic. It was a, a similar time. I was still working on the doors and stuff like that as well in, in Halifax. It made sense to move to Halifax then. Brilliant. Brilliant. So... It must have been 27 is a, is a young age to lose a parent, right? Mm. Really? Yeah, I think I felt quite old at 27. I think because I had my daughter really young. Yeah. I had moved out of my own house at 17. Um, so, I mean, looking back now, I was a child. But at the time, I felt like, oh, you know, the big grown-up woman because I've got yeah. my own house and my own kids and I was working three jobs and I didn't feel young. I think it just forced me to grow up very quickly yeah, yeah. Um, I, I so. think that's what happens isn't it in that when you're young I mean I know I I was married at 18 I was a dad at 19 so I can certainly and the same as you I didn't feel that I was young even though family friends were saying you know you're way too young for this what are yeah. you doing um I just felt it was the right thing to do and I and I did it and I didn't feel young it's only when you look back retrospectively and then obviously as your children grow up and they get to like 16 17 18 19, even 20s and you you look back and you think my goodness yeah I, I can't imagine my children you know getting married at that age or having a you know a child at that age but you know that's those are the things that that happen yeah. and and I guess kind of make or break you to some degree yeah. um I definitely think it made me more driven. I, I I probably didn't have the best, you know, like experience. I had a I was a dad for five years. Um, I, I, I guess I'm. How can I describe this? I always try and see the best in people, and then sometimes that actually bites me. So he was he was brought up in a really bad environment, so he didn't he didn't act very well. From saying it really politely. <laughs> So they were quite violent and everything you could imagine wrong, like he was wrong, you know, the cheating, the lying, the violence and, and everything else without going into too much detail. So it was quite challenging for five years. And then when Chantel came along, I then realised, because I always used to think, oh, it's not his fault. He doesn't mean to be like this. It's because of his upbringing. And I, I made constant excuses for him. And then I think when Chantel came along, it's like, well, it's, it's not her fault. <laughs> so that that gave me the strength to just get out of that environment by having Chantel. Um, and then I think it made me determined to show her that you can do it the right way. You don't have to live your life the wrong way. So I think that I had like a real subconscious drive that made me driven to probably be more successful because of that experience, I think. Yeah. Do you think that's the way that we... we kind of those kind of defining moments I guess is what I'm saying is they're, they're kind of there's moments in our lives where a light bulb kind of goes off yeah and, and we start to see people for what they are who they are as you mentioned there you know it's easy to make excuses for people and and, yeah. and you know sometimes it's to our detriment isn't it when we do that um 
but then there's that realization it seems to me that for you when when Chantel came along and then you started to realize that actually it's not just about me and him anymore it's yeah. there's another life involved and and it's certainly not yeah her fault um I that, think it's probably the, the first time that I thought it's about choices so mm. he might have been brought up in that way but he's now choosing to be like that with me and He's making those choices. And I could, again, I'm probably jumping around a little bit here. I think I didn't realise this until I think I was 19. I'd started working in a window company selling like double glazing windows. And there were a guy there uh, called Pete, actually, who we were just talking about life experience and what I've been through. And I didn't think it was a thing. I didn't think I was strong. I didn't think I was resilient. But he actually said, you know, everything you've been through, some people would be you know, in a nut house or, you know, the level of detail that I went and described to it. Um, and I was just like, really? <laughs> oh, I didn't really get that. Uh, and and I think that then when I started to think about it, it just made me realise, well, it's about choices. So he had a choice how he reacted, but then I had a choice how I reacted. So some people in that situation could do the woe is me. Oh, my God, I've been violent. This has happened my life's abysmal or some people can go that's happened but I'm going to respond to it differently so it started to make me think about you know we've all got a choice and I think I share stuff like that on LinkedIn you know about kindness and choices and you know you you have got a decision about something might happen to you but it's how you react to that then that can take you down very different ways in life. I totally agree and I think that you know rather than reacting we we get the choice to respond yeah. And I think that's where, you know, I talk a lot and and I, I post a lot about emotional intelligence. And I think that's where you make that differential, where, you know, that differentiator between reacting to things and responding to things is when you suddenly have, and that is choice. Yeah. And you, we, every human being, I truly believe, even when sometimes we think we have no choice, I okay. truly believe that even when we think we have no choice, we have choice. Yeah, for sure. Choice. And and I think that's great what you're saying there, that you came to a realisation that actually he has a choice mm-hmm. how to behave, how to live his life, because your upbringing, anybody's upbringing doesn't define them. I know I've worked with with young adults in the past who have been going in a going down a path that they kind of feel is is their destiny because of their upbringing. And I always say to them, you know, your past doesn't define your future. It doesn't have to. 100%. No, it doesn't have to. You know, yes, you've not maybe been dealt the best cards with the parent or the parents that you've had or the siblings that you've got or the aunts and the uncles and everything else, the family that you've been brought into. But you still have a choice as to whether you continue that that path of of violence or whatever criminal activity the family are involved in or you can you can make the stop you can be the first person that in the family pretty much that says no I'm not going to take that path I'm yeah, going to do something no. different 100% I mean it's not always easy to do is it because you know that chimp paradox book I'm sure you've read it you know when the yeah. you react yeah. emotionally yeah and but as, as long as you check yourself afterwards I guess and be like oh the monkey was out there <laughs> like let me just yeah and I guess if it was so easy, then we, you know, the, the you know, you mentioned the chimp, chimp paradox book and all these books and, and the car map and 
all yeah. his self-help and having coaches and well none of that would probably be as necessary if it was if it, we all found it easy yeah, yeah, you know yeah. we wouldn't need all of that extra extra help but it isn't easy it yeah. isn't easy but you found your way so fast forward then to I don't know you got to a stage where well maybe you tell us what what which, when was the point that you found your purpose then and what is what would you say is your purpose now my purpose I think my purpose now um is helping people okay like yeah I get a real sense of pride I think um whether it's someone that I've helped I don't know 20 years ago and then they'll send me a message saying you know maybe I didn't thank you enough at the time but actually that was a real turning point for me and stuff like that like honestly like just it can make me emotional. That's how much it means to me. So I feel like that now is my purpose. I don't really know what my purpose was growing up. I think I'm just like, I need to work hard, I need to work hard, I need to be the best. <laughs> uh, I needed the, you know, I want to make sure I'm doing a good job type mentality, regardless of what it was I was doing. But I feel like now I just like helping people, I think. Yeah, uh, that's a great purpose, right? And um, because you leave, hopefully you leave a legacy. Um, yeah. You know, a couple of managers that I'm coaching at the moment, they asked me that question just yesterday. You know, we were talking about purpose and and they said, you know, what's yours, Gaz? And and I said, yeah, you know, similar to you, really, Nina. It's it's about people, helping people in any way that I can, whether it's through coaching, whether it's through tra training, whether I'm walking down the road and somebody needs help with something, um, whether my neighbour yesterday needed help to you know, undo a tap that they couldn't undo a tap because it was too stiff and she's got a problem with her shoulder. And I love all that. I love helping people. And I get a real, and I just want people to, you know, my legacy, that's the dog barking. In case you're wondering, <laughs> we were wondering when I was going to get heckled. And here it goes. The heckling has started. But, but for me, <clears throat> excuse me, but the, for me, it's, I would just like my legacy to be that when I, when I pass on, that people feel that I added something to yeah. their life. Yeah, 100%. that's that's kind of how it is for me. Whether that's in business or in their personal life or both. Yeah, uh, and you know, so I really, I really hear what you're saying when you say yeah. it about people. Um, I think that's a great, great way. So, how does that that pan out then in in what you do now? So, tell us about what you do now. So, you know, and and how do you use your purpose within your role and in your business right now? Um, so I, I work for a company called Tech Buyer. Uh, they're a, a global IT hardware specialist. And um, I started there just as a sales manager. And then I think within a year, COVID's made me lose time. I think within a year, I got promoted to the uh, group sales director role alongside a guy called Josh Kidd. We both uh, called that title. Um, and I think that probably came about because I just helped people, I guess. Like, uh, I didn't just focus on my team. I would, uh, I, I think tech, a lot of people at Tech Buyer have been brought up in Tech Buyer, whereas I've been in like places like Yale, you know, and some big uh, other global businesses. So there's just stuff that's done differently, maybe in some places that these guys might not have just been exposed to. Um, so when you, exp like all the above line training, mindset training, stuff like that, 
So I used to talk about this stuff and then maybe other managers would be like, oh, that sounds interesting. What, what's that about? And I'd be like, oh, cool. And we'd, you know, roll that out and we'd do that sort of session with the team. And there were just stuff like that that, that was just done naturally. Ke- Kevin Towers, who owns the business, he's the way he's set up, it's all about collaboration. So we don't really have like strict org chats, like everyone just helps everyone. It's not a dog eat dog sales environment. It's just, it's the real, it's a cracking culture that he's got. Um, I say he's one of the best human beings I've worked for, to be fair as well. But uh, and I think that ethos that he's created is just brilliant. So then it just naturally let me just go, I'm just going to go over there and you know, help this person. And I think that got recognised, which is then probably how the promotion came about. But not just from a sales perspective, because obviously I'm a sales director. Uh, so it's not just about, you know, putting the number on the bottom line. It can be in other teams, like in the warehouse and things like that. But I, I actually, I mean, obviously I love sales and getting the best out of people so that we we do the right thing for the customer. Because actually I genuinely believe if you do the right thing for the customer, so we're not just selling tin to get money, we're actually selling the right solution that's going to be the best for them. That's how we get the best results. And it's great. Like I've seen loads of sales guys, um, their results grow and them grow with their skills. And that just gives me such a, a buzz, you know, to see like, some people, how they've gone from the, how they used to qualify and now they're just, I don't know, amazing. Like, honestly, I can't say how proud I am of some of the guys. But then there's other comments that actually resonate really well or, or more emotionally for me. Like one girl said that I, um, how did she word it? I have helped make her her better version of herself. Yeah. Getting emotional when I think about that. It's stuff like that that's not... It's not just work related. It's like you know, she knows that I care about her as a person. Oh my god, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> Amazing. That's yeah, it's like it, it's stuff like that. If if you, I think if you genuinely, actually, just excuse my French, just give a shit about people, yeah, um, and not just about the number, yeah, then that's naturally just gonna have a better, a better impact. Yeah. So that's like my day job. Yeah, that's really great. So in terms of helping other leaders that are listening to this podcast today what would what would your message be to those leaders do you think in helping them with their teams particularly sales teams i think particularly sales. i think i think any leadership role is challenging but yeah. i think particularly you know we both know coming from a strong sales background that that sales is a really challenging kind of industry it's a challenging role and to get the leadership right between managing the KPIs and looking at the numbers and driving performance. And, you know, there's a difference between driving performance and flogging performance, yeah. I always say. Yeah. And, and that seems to be what you're doing there at, at Tech Buy. It seems like you're driving performance, you're, you're motivating performance, even inspiring in terms of that, that young lady that you spoke about there. It sounds like you're inspiring her to be a better version of herself, not just at, at work, but, you know, in her whole life. How how would you kind of say to others to, to kind of help them to get that in their business, would you say? Uh, um, I think knowing your people is probably one thing. Mm. I think sometimes we can just focus so much on the numbers. This probably goes back years actually so I'm not going to name names because that would be cruel but I remember being in a I was in a senior leadership position at the time but I'd been in a senior uh, meeting 
and someone else uh, who's my equal would calculate in, you know, the numbers, the KPIs and everything to do with the discussion were just about the numbers. And maybe I was a little bit rude in, in this comment and I didn't mean it, I didn't mean it rude, but I think when it then came to, we'd done 20 minutes to talk about numbers gaps. And when it came to me, I said, well, sitting with a calculator and just talking about gaps as in numbers, that's not actually going to change the performance. Looking at the people's behaviours and what they're doing and how they're feeling and how they're going to improve from a behavioural point of view. If we look at focus on the input and what they're doing and how they're doing it, the numbers actually take care of themselves. Um, so I think first it's just like understanding your people in every way, personally, what makes them tick, what motivates them. When we talk about KPIs, instead of just being blanket, it's what's good for them, what does good look like for them, where are their strengths, what do they need to improve on to do more. Um, yeah, it's about the people, I think. People first. And then I think lots of, lots of companies say two things I hear when I'm out and about and I'm working with different clients and in meetings. They all say we put the client first. Right. You know, if I say to them, what's great about your business over your comp composition, they yeah. all say, oh, we put the customer first. That's yeah. a really, that's, that's rubbish. That's a rubbish thing to say, because if you're not putting the customer first, quite frankly, shouldn't be in business. Right? So and also, actually, a lot of their processes and their procedures, they do anything but put the customer first. Right. And, and the second thing they always say is, oh, yeah, we, we, we you know, focus on our people. And again, that doesn't always come through because you look at the numbers, you look at that's all they're talking about is the numbers, the margins, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, and I see it so many times, Nina, and I love what you said there is that if you focus on the people, mm -hmm. actually what I see is if you focus on your people, the numbers look after themselves. But yeah. guess what? Your clients, <laughs> exactly, your customers get yeah. the best possible experience yeah because your team members your your employees are happy because yeah. they're being looked after and i think that's a really important thing for leadership is to yeah. to look after your people you know develop them you know it's all very well saying to your team you know and, and different members that they they've got gaps and they need to be doing this more and they need to be doing that but are you actually helping them to close that gap 100%, yeah. Just telling them what they're rubbish at, that doesn't change anything. It does the opposite. It just makes them feel like shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that there's a different way. So it's like you, you need to hi highlight, uh, how can I say this, um, politely. Don't have to be polite. Say yeah, it. Well, yeah, okay, right. So, so we do need to highlight where they've got issues or where they're not doing stuff right and where they need to improve. But there's a way of doing it. Yeah. So that they feel like their integrity is intact. They don't feel soul destroyed. They don't feel negative pressure. Because mm. I think that if they feel like, oh, God, yeah, you're right. I could do that better. How could I do it better? Oh, I'm going to do it like this. And, the, and sometimes they don't know the answer. But if you can coach it out of them and they feel like it's their idea and their plan, they're more likely to implement those changes anyway. Or you can give suggestions and exchange ideas. And again, they're more likely to implement those changes. If you just stand there, you know, finger pointing, that's crap, that's rubbish, then the negative pressure comes on. So they feel inadequate and then the pressure comes that they feel like they're not doing stuff right. And in my experience, when they're in that emotional state, 
all that happens is they just make more mistakes and they do less because they're too scared to do more because they're going to make more mistakes. So it actually has a negative impact than trying to do it positively. Yeah, and I think as well, I just want to kind of roll back a little bit because we had a we've had a, we had a chat before we started, and and I just want to kind of before we wrap wrap up today, just come back to that and and the challenges that you faced as a as a leader, um, and I guess you know to some degree, I think as a female leader, we had you know um, the Independent Women's Day was it a week or two weeks ago now. Um, so for those of you that may be listening to this podcast later on, um, it was in March. I can't remember the date now. Was it the 8th of March? I can't remember. But March 2022 anyway, but it was March. Yeah. And, and um, you know, we were touching on that before we started the recording. And so just, ex- just explain to the listeners what you were saying about that whole kind of challenge that you have as a, as a leader and the whole red lipstick and the way you kind of because obviously they're only listening they don't see your beautiful see red it. lipstick they're not seeing your yeah, beautiful I'm red, the red top. lipstick girl red <laughs> lipstick they're not seeing your your red real red top and your dark hair and they're not seeing this power dresser that I'm seeing in front of me so it's right. funny that you say power dresser because this is what we were saying earlier yes so I think that everyone gets judged mm. and I've constantly been judged that I've I, I either I'm judged positively. I thought you're so lucky, or you look like you've got your shit together, and they don't understand all the you know the struggles, the life struggles from being young, even now, that that goes on in the background. Or you can get judged negatively because you know you get judged for the red lipstick. Like you shouldn't be wearing that red lipstick. People are not going to take you seriously. So we get judged either way. I think in life, good or good or bad, like just people just judge us, um, and that probably comes from their own biases, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and also um, it can embed our self-limiting beliefs, right? Yeah. And and I know that when you were saying to me, um, when I asked you to do the podcast, you know, come on and be my guest, um, just just share with share with the listeners what you what, your thought process when I'd asked you. Yeah, I think because everything I normally share on LinkedIn is all about you know be kind and right choices, and I I do that daily self-talk. Um, to be successful, to make the right choices. But I think you thanked me for joining the podcast and I think I thanked you in return because the day that you sent me the request was actually a day that I wasn't, hey, how are you? I'm fabulous. I say that to everyone, by the way. It was Russ Baleson, ironically, that highlighted that. And I'm going off a little tangent. <laughs> um, but um, he actually highlighted to me, God, years ago, I think I'm an area manager at Yale. And he said, do you know what, Nina? Every time I see you and I say, how are you doing? He said, you always say, I'm fabulous, thanks. I didn't realise I did it. He said, and what you don't realise is how positive that feels on the receiving end. Because some people are like, oh, God, you know, I've got this going on. And he said, and I know you've got challenges going on. He said, but however, you always go, I'm fabulous, thanks. <laughs> so it's like a conscious thing now, but I didn't realise I did it until I highlighted it gone so much off tangent I can't remember what we say oh yeah so um so I think I was grateful for to you because as much as I always go yeah I'm fabulous the day you actually sent me that invite I probably wasn't feeling fabulous so no one would have known that um maybe a couple of people uh but actually what it made me do when you sent me that invite is is think oh hang on a minute I just have to remind myself like I can get over this. I can get through this. You know, 
I knew I were coming on this call, so it made me reassess everything I've been through in life and all the challenges I'd overcome. So it just kind of clicks me back into, oh, you got this girl, I can get up this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you have, and it's it's been amazing just listening to you, you know, the, the challenges that you've had. And but the work that you've put in, you know, even from a young age, you know, just sort of summarizing some of the things that you've shared with us today, you know, working in your mum's off license from, you know, a young age. Was it seven? First female doorman to ever work in Bradford. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty, that's pretty challenging. And then also, you know, working two hours after school on, in telesales at the age 12, 13, whatever, you know, having a daughter age 17 being in a in a relationship that was less than healthy um for kind of five years or so um and then we go on and then you've you've had this really successful career um but in between that even you've had your challenges losing your dad at age you know 27 um you were 27 not your dad obviously but you know you losing your dad at a young age and living with your mom and all of that sort of thing and and even now, you know, as you said, you you have days where it's it's hard, right? And and we all do. We all have those days where life is just a little bit more challenging, and and we have to put a bit more effort into to kind of get going. And and it's been great listening to you. It's been absolutely refreshing, and and I really hope that those people that are listening to this podcast episode, I hope that they hear your energy, your enthusiasm. And, and I hope they realize that whatever they're going through, that like you, your past doesn't define your current place and yeah. it doesn't define your future. hundred percent. And it doesn't matter what age that is. No. Whether it's young or whether someone's listening and they're in the sixties, like you can always make a change today. I can't you say, yeah. A hundred percent. And also, you know, just kind of coming toward the end of what you were saying there about leadership and the importance of putting your people first, you know, making sure that, you know, be kind, be supportive, you know, as a as a leader and as an individual, you know, just support people, develop them, help them. And I think that's really important. Be really good if you could leave your details. For those that may want to get in touch with you, should they want to obviously um, connect with you and should they also want to do any business with you, I suppose, as well. So mm-hmm. what are your details? How can people get in touch with you, Nina? Uh, I They can find me on LinkedIn. So I'm Nina Brooks and I work at Tech Buyer, although you will see I've also got two gyms in Poland as a little side thing. <laughs> also got another lucrative business thing. They can contact me about that as well, if they like. Um, uh, they can email me, well, either email address, like give both, uh, brooks at techbuyer.com is, if you're interested in AIT requirements, I can obviously help you out there. <laughs> um, NC. Uh, sorry, Nina. In fact, just do the email address for the work. It's probably easiest, I think, rather than giving them multiple choices. Um, if anyone wants to ring me for a chat, then they can contact me on 07969341818. Happy to discuss anything. Yeah. Great. And what I'll do is I'll put those links um, in the um, caption at the end of this as well, in the text, and also when we're promoting it on um, 
on the different platforms too. Nina, thank you so, so much for your time and for sharing some great insights today. No, thank you. Like I said, honestly, like you really helped me. So I am more than, more than happy and very grateful. Thank you so much, Nina. Bye for now. I really hope you enjoyed what Nina had to say in this particular episode. And if you would actually like to get in touch with her, please send an email to n.brooks at techbuyer.com. That's n.brooks at techbuyer.com. Or you can give her a call on her mobile, which is 07969-341-818. That's 07969 341-818. Thanks for listening to the Your Path to Purpose podcast. Living a life that gets you jumping out of bed with excitement. Before you go, I just want to remind you that you can get in touch with me by dropping me an email to Gary at GaryMorgan.coach. That's Gary at GaryMorgan.coach. If you have any business or personal challenges, please drop me an email. And thanks again for listening. And as always, it's been a pleasure.